are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I was in the office on Friday, and Carrie Lance, who works in our office, said to me, I got to tell you about my flight home from Kansas City the other day. And she said, I get on the plane, and, um, and I'm seated by the window, and then there's a seat between me and another gentleman, and he's kind of already started working, but he's kind of talkative, and I find out that he's a lawyer and that he lives in Kansas City. And somehow, <clears throat> the question came up about where I was raised, and I told him that I was raised as a missionary's kid in Africa. But then he said something about, well, there's a, there's a church-like headquarters in Kansas City where I live, and, and it's called the Church of the Nazarene. And before she could say, I'm a Nazarene, or even I'm a Christian, the flight attendant says these words, these five words. Is there a Christian on board? What would you have done in that moment? I said, wait, the flight attendant just, that's all that she doesn't say, I have an announcement to make or, no, those five, that was it. Is there a Christian on board? And I'm saying, what, like, was somebody like sick or needing prayer or scared or need, you know what? She goes, I know that's what I, you're processing. I look at him, he looks at me. I think we both assume each other are Christians at this point. And it's like, I look up to see if there's commotion or, you know, but before you can even respond, she says that again, is there a Christian on board? Have you ever experienced this? And she said, immediately after she asked the second time, before anybody can respond, sitting in front of her are three young men. The two on the outside seats points to the one in the middle seat and says, this is Christian right here. (laughs) They play soccer together. The rest of the team is on the plane. She says, Christian, your soccer team wants us to sing happy birthday to you. Like, is there a Kevin on board? Is there a Stephen on board? A Christian? She said, when I get off the plane, the captain is laughing, saying, is there a Christian on board? Seriously? That's, you know. So here's Carrie saying, I can't be quiet about my faith, right? I've got to get my arm in the air. I think that's what this series is about. It's about not being quiet about your faith. Let me tell you a second story. I was at the Christmas market the other day in our family life center. And I walked by a booth that Brenda and, uh, oh my goodness, Dallas, uh, Bruce, thanks. He makes these birdhouses. We bought one last year. It's in our backyard. It's incredible. And as I'm walking by, they say, Pastor, we, we love the church. Been attending a few years. Um, we love our, 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 our community group. We're part of Salt and Light. Um, we, Brenda sings in the choir. We, we just, we, can we just tell you how much the church means to us? And I'm like, oh, you know, I love to hear this. And, and then I said to them, I said, you know what? I remember your story. It was Charlesa. And they said, yeah, you remembered it was Charlesa? And I said, yeah. So they moved into a neighborhood next door to a lady named Charlesa Golden. Charles had passed away a couple of years ago. But they said, as soon as we move in, Charles shows up on our doorstep with a cake. 
She doesn't know anything about us, anything about our faith journey. But she says, you are new in, in town. You have got to come to my church. And so all that Charleston knew and lived was that I love Jesus. I love my relationship with Jesus. I love this church I get to go worship Jesus at. And I want everybody to experience what I've experienced to know what I know. And so for Charleston, it was just like a natural. Oh, you're new in town. You've got to come to my church. Let me tell you a third story. It, it's reminding you of last Sunday's story. John the Baptist is with two of his followers. And he sees Jesus and he says to them, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples follow Jesus. And Jesus realizes, these guys are following me. And he turns around and he says, what do you want? And they essentially said, it's not what, it's who. It's you that we want. Where are you staying? And he said, why don't you just come and see? Just open arms, right? And so they spent the whole day with him. They just hung out with him all day. And their lives were radically transformed. The trajectory of their lives changed forever. So we learned that one of those disciples' names is Andrew. And we think, okay, so what now, Andrew? Like, like what do you mean, what now? I mean, like, what's next for you? I mean, what? you've come to know Jesus, you're following Jesus, now what? And, and maybe, maybe to make the question a little more personal, someone pointed you to Jesus, right? And so now you're a Jesus follower. So what's next? What, what, do, you, what do you mean? I mean, like, now what? Here, here's the point. Someone who knew me pointed me to Jesus. You've got the same story. So now I'm called to point someone I know to Jesus. I don't know how Jesus can make it any more clear than when he said to his followers now, go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them. In other words, we're making converts here, folks. And then disciple them. Teach them everything that I've taught you. Someone who knew me pointed me to Jesus, and now I'm called to point someone I know to Jesus. That's just the way that it works. That's our calling. That's how it's supposed to happen. There's not another plan. So let me take you back to this Andrew story, okay, and pick up in verse 40. So Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus, the story I just remembered with you. I love these words. The first thing Andrew did, what did he do? Was, I want you to read the next four words with me in unison, to find his brother. So the first thing that he does is he goes and he finds his brother, Simon. Next three words, read them with me. And tell him. So he finds him and then he tells him. We have found the Messiah. And so John, writing to everybody, translates it for the Greek audience. He knows they don't know the Hebrew word Messiah. That is the Christ, Christos in Greek, translated in English, Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. So read that last sentence with me. And he brought him to Jesus. 
So he finds him, he tells him, and he brings him to Jesus. Now, when you come into Jesus' presence, he has the power to radically change your life. And that's what happens here. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. It's an Aramaic name. And so John translates again for his Gentile readers, which, when translated, is Peter. So what's it mean when God changes your name? Last week, I I told you that we are in a season where it is very popular and desirable to know more about our family history. Ancestry.com, for a fee, you can know more about your roots and your family tree. And so I challenged you to think in terms of your faith family tree. So can you trace back to who told you about Jesus and who told them about Jesus and who told them about Jesus? And, and, and I gave you an image last week, and, and here's the image, and it's the image of what happens after John the Baptist tells Andrew, and then Andrew tells his brother Peter, and you remember as we trace through the book of Acts, Peter preaches at Pentecost, and 3,000 people become followers of Jesus. Now, I can't tell you how many people they told in which, however many directions that all went, but we know that Peter then has this encounter with a lame beggar, And because of what happens there, 2,000 more come to know Jesus. This is just giving you text out of the book of Acts. And then he goes to Samaritan villages, and he tells them, and they become followers of Jesus, and they begin to tell people, but I can't, I don't know all those names and places. He goes to Lydda, he goes to Sharon, he goes to Joppa. He tells people there about Jesus, and they become followers. And then he goes to the house of Cornelius, which is a really big deal because Cornelius is not a Jew. He is a Gentile. And from here, the gospel spreads to the whole Gentile world. It eventually gets to you and me. But it all starts here. John the Baptist points one person, two people, to Jesus, Andrew and the other disciple. And Andrew tells Peter, Do you ever wonder what the potential is in, in your world being dramatically changed because God uses you and you share Jesus with one person? And what if he's a Simon Peter or she? Do you know who David Brainerd is? Was He, he lived in the early 1700s. He was... He became a missionary to to Native Americans in New Jersey. Do you know that he only lived to be 29? He got ill, became ill, and and he died at, at 29. He talks about this experience that he had where that he he said, I I put God and his kingdom first in my life. But he's famous for these words. Lord, let me make a difference for you that is utterly disproportionate to who I am. Wow. 
Do you have the, the courage to pray that prayer? Make, let me make a difference for you that is utterly disproportionate to who I am. Do, do something through me that is so far beyond my, my skill set and my gifts and my abilities. You, God, could you use me? I mean, this is what David Brainerd prayed as a young man. God, could you just make a difference? Let me make a difference for you that is just so far beyond what anybody would ever imagine that you might accomplish. Through. I mean, just make a difference for you. Let me make a difference for you that is utterly just disproportionate to who I am. I, th I think if you get to heaven and you run into Andrew, you might say, there he is, old Andrew. Read a lot about you, buddy. I think Andrew might kind of shrug and say, oh, you know, my brother Simon, he, he's the real hero. I mean, he got a couple of his books published in the Bible. And, and, and the book of Acts just talks a ton about him. But you want to go back and say, but Andrew, if you hadn't have told Peter, none of that would have happened. I mean, God used you, Andrew, to make a difference for him that is utterly disproportionate of who you are. Look, look at what God did because you shared Jesus with your brother. And, and I think that's the question of the series. What if? I, I really think that's the whole question. I think that's what we got to deal with as we move through this weekend, next week. What if? What if? What do you mean, what if? What if what? What if Andrew had not told Simon Peter? Who would have? Or would anybody have told him? I mean, what would have happened if si Andrew had not have told Simon Peter? Here, I've got another question for you, okay? If we don't point someone we know to Jesus, who will? We don't have any guarantees. What if there's somebody that's going to come into my life tomorrow and, and in the heart of God, he's saying, Rick, I've got you on them. I mean, you're, you're the one. And so if I don't point someone I know to Jesus, then who will? And I think it even begs another question. What if someone had not told me? Or what if someone had not told you? What if that couple in the grocery store in Argo, Illinois, that I told you about last week had not have invited my mother to church? And what if my mother had never become a Christian? And what if I had never become a Christian? What if someone had never told me? And you just got to say, Andrew, God used you in a way that is utterly disproportioned <laughs> with who you are. You know? So we, we had that little conversation Nick told you about in a staff meeting last week. And we just, we just sat around and we just talked about our faith family tree. And Doug Adams, who, who works with us here, he, he shared a great story about his grandfather, Everett Adams. Now, Everett Adams, many of his, his grandchildren and, and many of his of his great-grandchildren and many of his great-grandchildren attend our church, BFC. We call them the Adams family. 
And, and these are his own words. Now, he passed away, you know, many years ago, but these are his words. When I was a young boy, I, I only remember going to church on Christmas. A man picked me up in his wagon with sideboards. Nice wagon. Had sideboards. I'll never forget him. He patted me on the head and said, what a fine-looking young man you are. Everett said, then when I was older, living in Knowles, no shout-outs for Knowles anywhere in the room, I went to a Methodist church once in a while, but that was it. And then he tells a story. As a teenager, I was playing basketball with some boys one night, and somebody said, let's go over to the Nazarene church. They're having a revival. Just another boy and I went. He said, I sat there under conviction. Anybody old enough to remember the phrase under conviction? I went to the altar, but just couldn't get through. But he says the next day, I was plowing and just stopped and knelt and prayed behind the plow. And I knew I had it. Months later, he said, I was going to church when my mother said, now this is a teenage boy, think about this. And my mother said, if you'll hitch up the buggy, I'll go with you. A teenage boy is having an influence on his own mother. There was an altar call, and she went to the altar. Not long after that, my dad was saved too. And we all went to church together. We have these words because Laurie Locke, who attends our church with her husband Robert, also a grandchild of Everett Adams, recorded them as Mr. Adams told them in his own words. And, and she gave a copy to the family, and she challenged her family. May we remember the Christian heritage he gave each one of us as he knelt behind a simple plow and gave all that he was or hoped to be. To Jesus. Yeah. It's, it's their faith family tree. And it's, and it's God using a teenage boy to point others to Jesus. And, and so his mother and his father come to know Jesus because he knew Jesus. And then his three sons came to know Jesus because he knew Jesus. And their children came to know Jesus because <laughs> they knew Jesus. And then they knew Jesus. They, their children came to I mean, it just keeps going. We, we, we learned in that conversation that often our family tree resembles our faith family tree. And that's the way it should be, right? We want our kids to come to know Jesus, don't we? So I'm leaving church last Sunday and a pastor friend whose name is Jim happened to be visiting. He said, there's a pray, a prayer that I pray. And, and so I said, you, you got to send it to me. And so he did. He said, this is the prayer. Jesus, I want to live my life in such a way that those who know me, but do not know you will come to know you because of me. Great prayer to pray, isn't it? I want to live my life in such a way that those who know me, but do not know you will come to know you because they know me. Are there people in this world today that say, the reason I know Jesus is because I know Rick? 
insert your name there. Are there people in the world today who would say, the reason I know Jesus is because I know Gary? And so here's this rugged fisherman, raised in Bethsaida, now in Capernaum, fishes with his brother Andrew, two fishing partners, James and John. And one day Andrew walks up and says, Peter, I think we found him. God's chosen one, the Messiah. And you know what he does? He found him, he told him, and he brought him to Jesus. You ready to go find somebody (laughs) and tell them and bring them to Jesus? Let me get to something that that I want you to hear this morning, okay? Jesus says, you are Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas. Translated into Greek, it's Petros. Peter in English meaning rock. Now, it was common for you to have, if you spoke Aramaic, like an Aramaic name in the ancient world and also a Greek name. So like Thomas, also called Didymus, which means, both words mean twin. So that you understand why it's like Cephas and then Peter, okay? Aramaic, Greek. But, but in the Old Testament, when God changed somebody's name, it signified, denoted, it was a sign of a new, a different relationship with God. So take, for instance, Abram, right? You know what the word Abram means? The name Abram means? It means high father. I'm going to change your name, God says, to Abraham, which means father of many or father of the multitudes. It was a sign of God's promise. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. I'm doing something different with you in your life. And so he says to Peter, Simon rather, I'm not going to call you Simon. I'm calling you Peter, which means rock. Now, was Simon Peter a rock? Hardly. (laughs) He was a mess. He blundered everywhere. He talked like I do way too much. He denies Jesus in the most critical moment. But Jesus wasn't saying, that's who you are. He was saying, that's who you're going to become. He spoke prophetically into Simon Peter's future saying, this is what I'm going to make you. Why I believe it's so significant in our conversation is simply this. Do you believe that Jesus still radically transforms people's lives like he did Simon Peter's? And if you and I do believe that Jesus still radically transforms people's lives, then can that motivate us to share Jesus with others? I know somebody who can fix what's broken in you. So let me, let me end with, with, with one final story. In 2019, when, when the whole COVID shutdown happened and we were only online for those first, what, three months, 
some missionaries in Africa had to come home. They came here to Bethany, Don and Evie Gardner, rented a house down the street, met their neighbors, David and Darla Van Winkle. I spent an hour and a half with David this week. David said they knocked on their, our door and they introduced themselves to us. We met them. They seemed like very nice people. But one day, Don come over, came over and said, listen, our, our church is not meeting in person. We understand Darla can't leave the house with her illness. But we go to church every Sunday in our living room. We, we understand Darla can't come over to our house. But what if we came to your house and we four went to church together? And we could watch our church, BFC Online. And they said, well, that sounds great. I think there was lunch together, that kind of thing. And so they, they, they sat there together and they, you know, put the service on the television set and, and, and they had church together. And David said, we loved it. He said, you can't tell me that this wasn't God putting all this together. You know, just... They moved right next door to us, and, and then they knock on our door, and they were so friendly, and then they invite us to watch church with them, and we begin doing that. I remember when we got back to in-person church, and Darla was able, on several occasions, I would look right back here by the sound booth, and there would be David and Darla in church on Sunday morning. And I said, David, was there a, a moment in your life, a time when you just said, this is, this is what we want? He said, oh. He said, the love and the light that we felt with, with Don and Evie, uh, the, the love and the light that we, we found in, in the church services, it's all that we wanted. We just wanted Jesus in our lives. Recently, Darla passed away. And David has this hope. Well, Darla's with Jesus. And, and one day, I'll be with Darla and Jesus. You see. It's, I tell somebody, they tell somebody, you know, they tell somebody. I don't want it to stop with me. I, I, I don't want my family tree to say, okay, it stopped right here. My faith family tree. I mean, if someone that knew me pointed me to Jesus, then I know that Jesus is calling me to point someone that I know to him. Yeah. Would you pray with me, Lord? Here we are. Recipients, blessed. We've been given this great gift of knowing you. And so, Lord, may we pass it on to others. Bring someone into my life today. Give me the wisdom to recognize them and the grace to open my arms to them by inviting them into my life, my community, and my faith. And in these next few moments, Lord, let us open our hearts to your Holy Spirit as you speak to us through the words of this song. And I pray this in Jesus' name. 
You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.